slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au and it's Marissa and Peter taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. Last week we interviewed, or one of the people we interviewed, was Ian from the Refugee Coalition in New South Wales and we spoke a lot about Manus Island and he gave an update about asylum seekers and refugees and looked at the violation of human rights. Today we're going to be continuing our discussion, but we're going to be more specific. And the first interview that's coming up is with the Australian Burmese Rohingya Organisation. And we'll be speaking with Habib, and he's going to talk about Manus Island. And he, he will also talk about a terrible incident that happened where a, a refugee deliberately jumped off a bus to his death. And he, I believe he was travelling on the bus um, it's to do with Manus, so we'll speak to him shortly. And then after that, we'll be speaking with Chris from the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. And we're going to be talking a lot about Milo. Um, last year, Milo came to Melbourne and he had a sold-out tour and attracted the nastiest and most committed fascists in Melbourne. And we're going to be talking to Chris about what's happened after that, a lot of protests were, protesters were arrested and brutalised by the police last year. And we're going to do a follow-up about that and work out what, what's happened to the arrestees. And I believe there's also a court case coming up. Yep. Yeah, so um, we'll, um, we'll be getting on to Habib with our first interview shortly. We'll just go to a song. This is um, Brigitte Hanley with Distant Minds. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're speaking now with Habib from the Australian Burmese yeah. Rohingya Organisation. Hello, Hello yeah. Habib. Welcome to the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? Everyone good? Good. It's lovely yeah. to have you. And, and as I said um, off air, Peter's here as well. Okay. Yeah. Now, I was wondering, Habib, if you could just talk a little bit about your organisation and what what exactly does your organisation do to support refugees? Uh, we are a new organisation uh, founded uh, after 2012 and based in uh, the southern Melbourne. 
And uh, the generally we provide support is like uh, providing recommendation letter and making recreation or gathering or like information sharing. That is the best that we are doing. Yeah. Fantastic. Now that that's good to get spread awareness, isn't it? Yeah. So can you tell us what happened? Apparently, a Rohingya man um, deliberately jumped to death from a moving bus on on Manus Island. Is that right? Uh, yeah, because uh, because uh, like other detainees, like uh, the people who uh, refugee and and coming to seek uh, Iceland in the first country, so they've been uh, pushed back and transferred to Pacific uh, the island uh, detention center, uh, and and they, they, that is like not processing center. It is like uh, punishing the people and locking up the people in there, and and there is uh, no determination that where they will be settled or where they will be sent to or what happened to them. So it, it is not one year, two year. It is like four, five years, and still they don't know where they're gonna go to, and then what happened to them. And then the, the people are not uh, criminal, and then they seeking asylum is also uh, legal. Uh, so uh, the the PNG court has already found uh, since 2016 that has been uh, Supreme Court has already found detention in uh, PNG is illegal and then and then the, the contractual that Australia has uh, that been over so uh, within that time period so they should be settled their cases should be settled but uh, we don't find that kind of uh, I mean not given that kind of solution. So uh, UNHCR has not uh, interfered enough in that uh, cases. Yeah. So the people has no other way alternative except from uh, the uh, like uh, finishing by themselves. So some has taken uh, their own their life. So that is like the seven numbers in there. And so this is the first case of uh, the Rohingya Bamis. Yeah. It's it's really horrible, isn't it, Habib? I, I mean. On Manus, there's, there's been a lot of mental health problems because of, as a result of this, and this man apparently was in his early 30s and had been there for five years. Yeah, of course, because like uh, uh, the Rohingya people, they, they came from transit country like Thailand, Malaysia, after they spent long time in there, and they don't find they can settle to anywhere or they can stay in there, so life is not there. their life is not secure. And then there is no protection in there based on that uh, because those transit countries are not signing to the refugee convention. So they left uh, their family and kid behind, and they, they hopefully uh, they could find uh, the a place in a safe territory in a, a country of fast Iceland seeking. So they they just headed to Australia, and then unfortunately, then he been uh, transferred to there. You know, so the, like back experience, what they have trauma and torture, what they have faced in in Burma, and then again uh, they are they face similar uh, type of uh, the torture and detention in there. Like uh, so, they, 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 that is really horrible. Of course, that is the root causes of uh, mental illness. Is you even you have medical center or whatever mental services you are providing there, but that is not solution because the root causes that is causing them mentally seriously harm to them. It's it's really disgusting, Habib. Can yeah. you just tell us a little bit about? Because honestly, I don't think a lot of this has been in the mainstream media too much. Can you tell us a, bit, a little bit about the Rohingyas and a bit about the background of of of, of what happened with them? Yeah, the Rohingya people in Burma has been facing uh, long-term persecution and then uh, the ethnic cleansing and slow genocide since uh, the as early as from 1962. We have the crisis from 1978 uh, again in 1992. 19, uh, 
91, and again in 2012, again in 2017, uh, uh, just August repeated again. So the, the more than 90 people or just 90% of population has been completely wiped out, and their family members, their parents, their siblings, they've been brutally killed and slaughtered, and their houses, their property has been looted and burned down to the ground. So there is, uh, the, the government also not recognized the existence of the Rohingya people living in Burma. So they, we are treated like very badly as a for, not even foreigner, like as a less human being. Even foreigner will not be treated in that way. That's why uh, the Rohingya people have started uh, fleeing Burma for their life. Uh, so the Rohingya people are Burma fast refugees. And then they don't find any other alternative solution or resettlement or any other thing. So they've been languishing in those transit countries like Bangladesh and Malaysia, uh, Indonesia for a long time, not not just uh, recent years. So they, they, there has been already second and third generation in there. So despite the ethnic cleansing, Australia refuses to take responsibility for the Rohingya people and indeed for all asylum seekers, even though they are, are, are meant to be paying for all this offshore processing. And there's not even any essential services on Manus Island, is there? Uh, yeah, it is true, because uh, the Australia has already hand off uh, after the uh, the contract agreement with PNG and Nauru, so the people have been kept in there for years. So that means once the people have been taken uh, like very far from Australian community, that means uh, we don't know what's been going on in there. So, of course, the services providers are not enough in there, very poor, possibly. Uh, and, and also, like... Um, uh, because of Rohingya, people have to come to Australia or going out for secondary migration because, as you see, even they are fast Burma refugee and living in transit country for long years, they never got chances of resettlement. So that's why they, they have to take uh, their, their rigs in their hand and jumping onto the boat and going to wherever they can. So that is the, the, that is the main thing that why they have to come to Australia. Absolutely. And in fact, I believe that a worker from the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre saw this man um, on Manus and apparently he was eligible for resettlement in the United States and there'd been no progress and he just got upset. You know, he, he got a lot of mental, developed a lot of mental health issues and jumped. Yeah, the, uh, the, since the uh, Liberal government came into power, so the, there has been agreement has been signed with U.S., but uh, that is uh, between two governments. The actual progress is not down in the in the detention centre there. So it, even we've been lis- uh, listening this uh, deal, well, it's been more than three years now. So And then taking the number is also very less, and then the progress is very slow, and that's been not informed to the people. Uh, so that that was the main reason, and then uh, and then the the process of refugee claims that, that are not are done fairly. Well, that is very clear. So they have no legal representative, or they have their the, the the interview has been not done properly. So there are a lot of legal support, and then other, many other issues as well. There is a gap, big gap in there. So the people don't know their future and what will happen to them. They are not well informed. So that is the reason that the people are taking their own life. Exactly. Thank you so much. And in fact, let's talk about his health. I mean, Doctors for Refugees um, said that they'd been in contact with the man and they'd written to the Immigration Department. Can you talk a little bit about his health? And what yeah, what, uh, what yeah, what I can say surely is like Australia has uh, the uh, taken this man back to Australia for, for medical treatment. That means since then, the, the, his uh, mental illness, illness has been like a very high 
serious issue. That's why Australian government allowed him to be treated, medically treated in Australia, and but uh, then uh, sent back him to there again. Mm. Uh, and also Human Rights Watch, and then we have many other legal experts, and also the uh, the United Nations. They already have alarmed the uh, the mental uh, illness, and then there are serious issues that's going on in there. So since then, the Australian government uh, have to uh, like uh, you know like uh, looking uh, those vulnerable cases. And and UN, UNICEF has to interfere on that kind of humanitarian crisis as well. Yeah. And in fact, there's been quite a lot of coverage in the media. I believe there was an article recently in the Sydney Morning Morning Herald. And yeah. apparently, Habib, the man had temporal lobe epilepsy. He suffered uncontrollable seizures once or twice a month. He suffered renal problems and urinary incontinence. I mean, seriously, yeah. that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that is ridiculous. true. That one of his one of his detained friend, detainee's friend, has told he is suffering from epilepsy. But as you know, in the Pacific uh, Detention Centre, the medical services are they are some kind of serious mental uh, or or they are the physical health issues. So there is no no uh, the what they, uh, the proper treatment or there is not enough facility to treat uh, this kind of serious cases. That's why the man has been allowed to get medical treatment in Australia. But uh, but it was very very sad, sad that this man has been sent back to there. It's it's terrible. And, and in fact, there's been lots of statements from many, many organisations, hasn't there, Habib? In, indeed, yeah. um, Amnesty International said yeah. that this is the seventh death of a refugee on Manus Island. Yeah, 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 it is true. Is true. Yeah, very sad. We we feel same thing, like, because this guy have, uh, like, the three kids uh, left behind and wife. So and been away from family like more than uh, five years, and then uh, he been uh, uh, locked up in there for yeah. uh, five years, like just for seeking Iceland, not committed any kind of crime. So it is really bad uh, that uh, we hear this sort of news. Absolutely terrible, Habib. Can you just give us a website or somewhere where listeners can find out more about your organisation? Yeah, our organisation is www.abro.org.au. Habib, thank you so much for coming onto onto the program. It was really great talking to you. All right, thank you. We'll nice talk day. soon. Thank you. Thank you, Habib. Take care. Bye. And that was Habib um, from the Australian Burmese organisation speaking about many, many issues in regards to Manus Island and in particular of a man who um, jumped deliberately jumped off a bus to his death. Mm. And, yeah, lots of Sorry. really horrible violations of human rights there. It's approximately 4.19, and I believe, Peter, you played a song previous to that by Bridget Hanley? Yeah. And I think they're, they're an Australian band. Yeah, Bridget Bridget Hanley. Henley. That's fantastic. So, um, yeah, pretty soon we're going to be speaking with Chris and... Were you going to put on some music, Pete? Um, I'll just put on, like, Us Mob, um, the song's called Genocide. It's from the, um, yeah, Us Mob. This. Australia is a crime scene. It's unfinished business, this crime. People got to understand that it was a military exercise. It was military in the first fleet. It was Captain James Cook. It was Captain Arthur Phillip. Right through the history of Australia, it's a military exercise. Our people have suffered greatly. 
because the white man is not prepared to act honourably and legally. It's still the case in this country today. This is 3CR. And you're with Freecia, 855 AM. Um, it's a doing time show. I'm Pete. Um, just remember that the radio finds coming up um, the 4th to the 17th of June. Um, and you can donate to us or whoever, whatever show you want to do. Um, so remember that, that. We'll just go back on to another announcement. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're now speaking with Chris from the Campaign of Racism and Fascism. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hi there, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Chris, thanks so much for, for coming on to the show. Um, just wanted to to get an update from you about what's been, what's going on with the, I suppose, a follow-up in regards to what happened last year with Milo, uh, how he came out here and then the police brutalised um, the protesters. And what's happened since then? Well... Since then, um, well, the main thing that's happened um, is there were some um, arrests um, after the demonstration. Um, and, uh, I mean, the, the far right, there were arrests on the, on the side of the far right, but um, as you might expect, but there were arrests on our side as well. Um, and so there's a court date uh, which is coming up uh, for our comrades, which is on uh, the 7th um, of June. Um, so that's the, the, the kind of first appearance at the magistrate's court. Um, and so what we're doing is we're calling on um, anti-fascists, um, anti-racists um, and so on uh, to come and stand in solidarity um, with um, our comrades who were there. Um, and that, so we're organising a little uh, kind of solidarity demonstration outside the court. Fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I should correct. Did I, I hope I said the campaign against Racism and fascism, did I? Yeah, that's yeah. what we are. Oh, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did I say four? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it didn't mean I don't remember, but we're definitely... No, I think it's okay. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I didn't mean that if I did say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's you, the campaign against racism and fascism. Chris, that's can right. can you organise... Can you tell us, just a little, just so that listeners are aware, just some background of what happened last year, and just give us a little bit of a, a picture, if, if you like. Um, on what yeah, happened sure. last year, what the the arrestees were charged for, and when the court cases are. 
Yeah, so um, in terms of what happened last year, so basically, I mean, it's important, I think, to um, because the way it's often presented is that, um, you know, these are just uh, two sides um, that are kind of just engaging in riotous behaviour. Um, mm. But I think it's important um, to explain what actually what happened. So um, Milo Yiannopoulos, the far-right uh, you know, provocateur, um, was touring Australia. And so we, uh, you know, in the campaign against racism and fascism, um, so, you know, um, we we have to call a demonstration um, against this guy uh, when he's coming to town. Um, and what we were planning to do was just have a, you know, a peaceful demonstration, um, a show of solidarity with, um, you know, the targets of Milo's um, hate speech, you know, Muslims, migrants, um, women, um, the LGBTI community and so on. And so um, there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, there was a lot of faffing around on their part. They couldn't find a venue um, and so what they eventually, that at the 11th hour, they did find a venue which happened to be across the road um, from, um, you know, public housing uh, flats um, in Flemington and Kensington. Now, this is a very, um, you know, very multicultural, very diverse area. Um, and a lot of the residents of these flats are, you know, recent migrants, um, particularly um, recent African migrants, um, Muslims, um, refugees and so on. Um, so they're also in the, kind of independently of... Um, Milo and the far right. There are also people who we know um, are routinely targeted uh, by the police um, through racial profiling um, and so on. So these are some of the most, you know, in terms of Melbourne, these are some of the most depressed communities. And, you know, Milo and his crew decided to host their meeting, um, you know, three sold out shows um, right at the doorstep um, of these flats. And so we, um, you know, we came down um, to. And so the, our solidarity rally, I think, um, kind of had even more importance in this context. Um, and so we held a demonstration, um, which before the, before it even began, really, um, Neil Erickson, um, you know, a far right kind of I don't know what you'd call him, far right personality, I guess, um, and his crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, kind of invaded our protest, um, tried to start fights and so on, um, and then they were kind of removed by the police, um, but. What happened, though, um, over the course of um, the evening um, was some of the residents from the flats um, saw that there was a commotion downstairs. They came down, and when they realised what was happening and they saw that there were actual people um, on their doorstep, white nationalists, people with Trump Make America Great Again hats, uh, you know, uh, the far-right Zionists, uh, the Yemeni was there, um, people with, you know, um, actual neo-Nazis and, and so on, like this motley crew of the far-right, basically, um, were at their doorstep. They started joining in the protest and, in fact, started leading some of the protests. Um, so, you know, they kind of took megaphones off us, they led the chanting, they led the marching and so on. Um, and it was actually... It was a really incredible event. Um, so that was... That's kind of what happened. Um, the aftermath, though, of... Well, the police response, I think it's worth uh, talking about that, was incredibly um, heavy-handed. They came with shields, they came with batons, they came with pepper spray... Um, it's something that we're increasingly noticing um, that the police are, you know, um, yeah, coming, you know, fully, you know, um, with kind of incre like increasingly new weaponry um, every time we come to these um, protests. Yep. Um, so that's that's they came out in force, um, and they continued to um, harass, um, you know, uh, the you know the residents of the flats well into the night. Um, so that was their response, um, but. I think overall um, it was actually a really important um, statement to make um, and it was an important protest um, to have. Um, but, you know, the, the aftermath of that now is that, yeah, some of our comrades 
um, and some of the residents from the flats um, are going through um, you know, like a court procedure. A court procedure, even though they were the ones arrested. Wow. Sorry? And what, what what were the charges? Yeah. What were the charges? Um, the charges, I think, uh, I can't remember exactly what That's they are. Okay. It's, it's yeah, I think it's stuff to do with, um, I guess, like uh, kind of disorderly behaviour, disorderly, um, yeah, something along those, yeah, something along right. those lines. I can't remember the exact charges. Despite um, the but, fact that they were peacefully yeah. protesting. I mean, the the thing that I find interesting, this, this is a completely different perspective that I'm hearing from you because I yeah. I find it interesting that on the TV they only, they only show the violence and they show that people are just hitting each other and beating each other up. And it, should, it's, it shouldn't be about that. The, the, it's all that rhetoric, isn't it? And doesn't yeah. really discuss the background behind it and the fact yeah. that the fascists are actually being protected by the police. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you have to say as well that the most violent uh, group at that demonstration was Victoria Police um, by far. Um, they were the ones, like I said, they were the ones with the shields, they were the ones with the batons, um, they were the ones charging into the crowd, um, you know, and they were the ones protecting the fascists, um, which is what they, um, that's what they always do with these demonstrations. Um, and so that's that's where the kind of the violent kind of aspect um, comes. Uh, they were the most violent group, but I think it's also worth saying that, like, um, the, some of the residents from the flats, obviously, uh, they pushed back as well, um, but I think that in the context where there was, um, you know, far-right white nationalist fascists at their doorstep, um, where there was the police protecting them, um, you know, this is the same police force that routinely harasses these residents um, through racial profiling. Um, it's something that we, you know, um, are pretty familiar with. Um, I think it was, I, you know, in solidarity with those residents, um, you know, who are, um, you know, defending themselves um, against um, what I think is, yeah, a systematic um, kind of violence from uh, the state and from the far right. Hey, I don't want fascists in my hood. I'd be doing the yeah, same thing. absolutely. You know? I mean, this happened yeah. last year. And so in case listeners are not aware, Milo Yiannopoulos is, um, he had a tour and he actually spoke, said dreadful things, didn't he? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean... About different minority you, groups. Yeah, so dreadful that even Andrew Bolt, uh, who was yeah? hosting one of his events, um, said that it was too much. Oh, really? Um, he talked about... Really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, um, oh. he said awful, awful comments about... Um, you know, refugees and um, uh, you know, Muslims and so on. It's the thing that, I mean, if you, if anyone's familiar with oh. his rhetoric, it's something that you um, would expect. But I think that the, the more glaring thing about the situation, though, is that, and the importance, I think, of why we have our campaign is it's not just about Milo Yiannopoulos. No. Um, but it's about the people that go along to these, um, these meetings. So his tour was sold out. 10,000 people around the country thought it was worthwhile paying, I don't know, what, $100 a pop. Uh, to go and see this guy. So that's 10,000 people who think, you know, far-right ideas, they're okay. So that's what our um, protest was about as well, um, is about sending a message uh, to some of those people that um, if you want to associate yourself uh, with the far-right, with fascists, that's your prerogative, but there's going to be a protest, there's going to be a counter-protest every time, and there's going to be groups of people who will come out and, you know, organise against you um, every single time you decide to rear your head. So... 
that was actually the point of the protest as well. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and one of the things that's is that everybody has a different reaction. It, it is good to participate in these anti-racist protest protests against what's happening, but some people some people don't want to go to those protests. Some people are not equipped for that, and they like to do stuff behind the scenes instead. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, there's a you know, I think there's a role for um, for anyone who's um, you know, anti-racist or anti-fascist to take part, um, whether it through be through, you know, for example, we've got a protest coming up on June 24 against um, some of the far right here in Melbourne. Um, but in the meantime, there's things that we're organising, like we're organising poster runs through particular neighbourhoods. Um, we're organising publicity, um, you know, putting up stickers and that sort of thing. So there's actually a role for anyone, um, you know, to play in all of that. Um, if people don't want to take part in um, you know the kind of confrontational protests or anything like that. That no one, no one has to. Um, but I do think that the protests are important. Um, they've been a really important part of yeah. the campaign. Um, they've been important. You know, if we think back to when um, the campaign was first uh, started in 2015 um, against what was then called Reclaim Australia. Um, you know, at their height, um, their, pro- their I think their first protest managed to get about 2,000 people along at Federation Square. Well, today, Reclaim Australia doesn't exist. Um, mm. You know, uh, yeah. they're not getting thousands of people along to their protests. And I think the, a big you have to credit a big part of that to the fact that we had a campaign that was willing to be confrontational, was willing to be controversial, was willing to call these people out and say, you're not just people who are concerned mums and dads the way they tried to portray themselves. You are, you're associated with the far right, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And if you continue to come out and mobilise... Um, as Reclaim Australia or as the True Blue Crew or the United Patriots Fund, whatever it is, then we are going to we're going to point that out. We're going to we're going to call you fascist. We're going to call you the far right, um, and we're going to keep coming out until you know we we want to see the end of fascism. We want to see the end of racism, um, and so we're going to keep doing that. I mean, it's it's really interesting, and and I'm sorry to mention this, but I feel like I need to to yeah. put a historical context and and have a look at what happened with the Holocaust. I mean, you know. When the economy goes down, that's when people like Hitler come in to existence, isn't it? Because people get frightened. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's definitely um, a factor. I mean, there's obviously um, a lot of factors, and you know, um, the 1930s and, and World War Two and the Holocaust. Obviously, um, there were a set of diff- um, kind of it, it's a very unique uh, historical situation. But I think that the trends um, are definitely there today. Um, so you can see. Um, you know, economic crisis does plunge uh, people into misery. But also I think that you have to say that um, the kind of the mainstream political parties um, play an enormous role um, in contributing to the rise of the far right. Um, it's for the last, you know, 30 years, um, you know, you know, the last few decades of neoliberalism, we've seen the two main parties, um, not just in this country, but across Europe, the United States and so on, um, move increasingly uh, to the right, um, you know, like just just recently, for example, um, the Labor Party state conference, um, you had Bill Shorten get up and announce that um, the Labor Party supports both turned backs. Um, they're continually trying to outdo each other. When was that? Um, on um, it was just over the weekend. Yeah. Um, so, what did he, he got, say? It, well, he got up uh, to the uh, state Labor conference and said that the Labor Party supports uh, both turned backs and supports um, keeping the current uh, kind of offshore detention and immigration policy intact. 
Wow. So I saw that. I didn't see that. A, yeah. I that mean, is deplorable. Yeah, and that's the, you know, that's the political climate. That It's moving more and more to the right, and that's not being pushed. You know, the far right obviously benefit out of that, but that's being pushed primarily by the mainstream parties paving the way uh, for these sorts of ideas to get a hearing. So I think that's the, I think that's the really key factor here is that we need a political alternative um, to kind of, you know, the mainstream kind of right-wing, you know, racist, um, you know, uh, race to the bottom, um, which is what we get at the moment. Mm. Absolutely. Chris, I'm wondering if we you could just talk give the date of the court cases um, where, yeah, sure. where the arrestees are going and also the date of the protest as well and where it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the court case is on um, the 7th um, of June, so it's a Thursday, um, and it'll be uh, in the morning. So we're saying, I think, at this stage, 8.30am, but people should check the Facebook page out um, it's just campaign against racism and fascism. Um, you can you can find us on Facebook um, and stay in touch. Um, and then we have our counter mobilisation, our big protest, which is coming up um, on June the twenty fourth. That's against um, a collection of far right groups, which are called an Australia Australian Flag Pride March. Um, so that's Sunday, June twenty fourth, okay. um, and that'll be um, in the Melbourne CBD. So people should check that out. And the court case will be at the magistrates' court. That's right, the Melbourne Magistrates Court, which is um, in on William Street, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Look, Chris, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's it's been really important, isn't it, to have this discussion? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm hoping that we can have have you back on at some stage to follow up. Yeah, no problem. Thanks it's a been lot. A pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks. Bye bye. And we were speaking to Chris from the campaign against racism and fascism, and it was it, look. It, it is a terribly important discussion, isn't it? Really, it's yeah. four forty-one, and you're listening to the Doing Time Show. Um, do you want to go to a song, or do you yep. want to... all right? Um, this is Rory Ellis with "Remember from the Dead." Everybody Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're back with the Doing Time show and it's approximately 4.47 and just as a very short tribute to Sorry Day which actually happened on Saturday the 26th of May, uh, the Doing Time show does a lot of stuff on Sorry Day for the whole year anyway but unfortunately we couldn't get any elders in today but uh, I thought that I'd read out an article from The Age, from the Age newspaper just about Sorry Day. So it's entitled Sorry Day Monument Honours Stolen Generation Marks Meeting Place. And I'll just start. Taljim Choco Howard Edwards' life story is told in his three first names. Taljim is the blackfellow name he gave himself in honour of his great-grandfather and Tangerim Man. These were the people from whom Uncle Edwards and his five siblings were taken in 1956 when he was a seven-year-old boy living on the banks of the river at 
Maro Marupana, just outside of Shepparton. Tell Jim Choco Howard Edwards in Atherton Gardens on sorry was on, was in Atherton Gardens on sorry day for the unveiling of a monument to the stolen generation of which he is a part. And there's also um, f- some photos as well. Choco was given him by his mates in the institutions in which he has spent much of his life. Seven children's homes across Victoria, including the Ballarat Orphanage and Bayswater Salvation Army, and eight prisons, among them Pentridge, Bendigo, and Geelong. Howard is his flash white fella slave name. I answer to the three of them. They've just been my life of being separated, he said. Uncle Edward's story is a big one, full of heartache and sorrow. Artist Reco Rennie, behind the spears of the monument in Atherton Park that he designed and created. I was just describing a photo there. It is also full of adventure and involves a stint in the Merchant Navy with a journey that involved stops in South Africa, Saudi Arabia and England and ended with him being unceremoniously dumped in Sydney. <coughs> Excuse me. In Sydney after getting into a fight or two along the way. Then there are his decades-long stints in and out of jail for a string of offences, among them vagrancy. They called me a vagrant on my own land, he said. In between and after his stints in jail, Uncle Edwards joined the parkies in Atherton Park, Gertrude Street. As it was for many of the stolen generation, it was a place for him to connect with the family and community from whom he was taken. Local Indigenous identity and member of the stolen generation, Uncle Jack's Jack Charles, lays a purple flower in the sculpted column. And so Saturday was an emotional day for Uncle Edwards as he joined the crowd of several hundred at Atherton Park on Sorry Day for the unveiling of a new sculpture to honour him and other members of the stolen generation. Artist Reco Rennie said Remember Me told a deeply personal story for him too. His grandmother was taken from her home on Camillory Country near, near Waglet, aged eight, never to see her family again. In Remember Me, two boomerangs form chairs looking onto ten spears and at their feet a kulaman. He said the monument represented more, matriarchy, family and strength in Aboriginal culture. We are a strong people, he said. Look at what we've survived. Sue Ann Hunter and her daughter, Jeddah Peden. The artist said his work carried a message for future generations who still felt the reverberations of a policy which ripped families apart. I'm a parent, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and you think about your own children and having one of your children taken away, or multiple children taken away and never see him again, of them being disposed of land and culture, Mr Rennie said. For others, the monument will continue an important tradition which has seen Atherton Park listed on the Victorian Aboriginal Heritage Register. Wurundjeri Elder, Elder Colin Hunter, said it was a meeting place for the Victorian Aboriginal community in the tradition of Redfern in Sydney and Musgrove Park in Brisbane. When blackfellows from all over the country come to Melbourne looking for people, they come here to Atherton Gardens, he said. There is a lot of history here. There's literally hundreds of stories of people finding family here and finding community in this space. Local Indigenous identities Ross and Luke Sultan. For others, the monument would also be a place to be alone. Now CEO of Victorian Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Organisation, Ian Ham was taken from his Yotta Yotta family as, bo- as a boy. Today is not a difficult day for me. Today is a good day, he told the crowd. It's every other day that can be a hard day. 
Mr Ham said it was ordinary days and unexpected moments when he was hit by a wave of emotion and a reminder of the life he might otherwise have had. In those moments when somebody like me, and there are many faces in the crowd who I know this might happen to, who just want to go somewhere, sit there and just feel, maybe cry, and this will be the place that we come to do, to do that. And yeah, so that's the end of that article and... I'm actually quite impressed by the age. That's a really powerful article. Yeah, true. Very powerful indeed. And, and it does um, talk a lot about um, Atherton Park, which I'm quite the disappointed gardens. I missed. Atherton Gardens. I'm quite disappointed I missed out on that. Thank you so much, Peter, for emailing me that article. Um, and it was we were able to read that out on the Do and Time show. Yeah, that was um, – I went there yesterday. I mean, Saturday. And it was quite moving for – Lots of people, um, even though like I'm a white fellow, <laughs> um, but it was really moving to, for to hear Culture Edgewood tell his story about, you know, his um, yeah, just tell his story and um, to hear lots of other stories and be amongst our, um, the people of this land and um, you know the smoking ceremonies was beautiful and yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, that's fantastic. And they had quite a few music, some music. It yeah. went from three to five, didn't it, Peter? Yeah. And then there was music after that. Yep. It's approximately 3.53 and we're nearing the end of our show. Beyond Zero will be up soon. Um, but I, I thought we could go with another announcement perhaps. Oh, yeah, let's go. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids, and come in black, white, grey, and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street, or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And Peter was initially talking about Radiothon early on in the show. And just to another, just a reminder in case listeners have just tuned in, this is the Doing Time show, 3CR. And we've got our Radiothon coming up from the 4th of June onwards. Um, can't remember the end date, but it goes for about two weeks. Oh, 17th of June. 17th of June. So the 4th of June until the 17th of June. And it's time, it's that time of year now where people need to donate. We're asking people to donate to keep the radio shows on air for another year. So when's the Doing Time show one? The Doing Time show... Is Radiothon. Radiothon show is on the 11th of June, the Monday. Okay. And our target is $850. So people can donate um, before the 30th of June and they can get a tax deductible. It's tax deductible from $2 onwards. Yeah. So that would be lovely if, if people could um, could donate. We actually provide a lot of media that you don't hear on the mainstream media. Yep. It's approximately 4.55 and we've got about two minutes left of the show. Um, tune in every Monday from 4 to 5 
for the Do and Time show. Thank you to our guests. And in fact, I think, I oh know the first guest wasn't Victorian, was he? I, I believe Habib um, was from the Australian Burmese organisation from New South Wales. And oh, right. then we had Chris um, and he from Victoria. And we're going to be going out now with our theme song, Black Fella, White Fella, from the Rumpy Band. See you all. See ya.